This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, and thank you so much for tuning into another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I'm your host, Cam Edwards, at the kitchen table with Miss E this evening. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. It has been a long week for you, has it not? Yes, with the snow and the snow days and trumping through 15 inches of snow to get water and food to all the critters, it has been a very busy couple of days. It has been, and I uh, I appreciate you doing all of that because I got stuck in Northern Virginia for the uh, snowstorm, winter storm, Jonas, as the Weather Channel called it. Uh, I just called it a snowstorm, but uh, it started coming down uh, around Farmville uh, Friday morning. It hit Northern Virginia mid-afternoon, and by the time I could leave on Friday, you couldn't. I couldn't. Not and it was safely, funny because anyway. you, you you took all the trouble to get out of Vegas. Only to get stuck in... Well, yeah, because, again, we were afraid that we would be stuck there on, on the Monday right. following. Oh, yeah. And actually, everybody else uh, <laughs> had to fly into Charlotte and then drive from Charlotte, North Carolina, up to Washington, D.C. <laughs> so it was good that that I actually left early but uh, in order to do the show, but uh, couldn't get home in time. So I was stuck up in Northern Virginia until Sunday morning. They got a lot more snow, actually, than uh, we did here in the Farmville yeah. area. Uh, you said uh, like 15 inches, but well, it was closer I to measured, 10. No, I, it drifted. It, in the front of the house, it was 15. In other places, it was almost up to my knees, which is past 15. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the, it, when the winds picked up the next day, it was really moving around and drifting. But it snowed almost for a full 24 hours. Oh, yeah. But we got anywhere from uh, countywide, I think they said anywhere between 12 and 18 inches. So it's been a... Uh... A uh, long digging out process, I know, for a lot of the East Coast. And luckily, you know, we didn't get the 30 inches because there were a couple of forecasts that, that looked like the the bullseye was going to be in central Virginia. Instead, it was closer to northwestern Virginia and, and the uh, uh, eastern part of uh, the state of West Virginia, using too many easts and wests. Yeah. But uh, that was sort of where the bullseye hit 40 inches in West Virginia. But uh, a couple of the forecast models were showing 24 to 30 inches here. Yes. 
I was really worried that we were going to lose some animals, that uh, the pigs were just going to get covered up in snow. <laughs> yeah, I was worried we are going to lose power, and then we don't have water to get anybody anything. Right. So all of a sudden, we're like, ruh row. Yeah, as soon as the snow started falling, I was texting you saying, hey, have you started filling up the bathtubs yet? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was a little paranoid about that, too. We filled up two and left the other one free so I could keep using it to fill up animal buckets. But the good news is, we, we did not lost, lose power. No, well, we did, but we were all asleep at the time, so we didn't notice it. And it was only for a very short amount of time. I, I woke up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water, and it was strangely quiet. And it's never quiet because we have the fan on for the white noise. And I'm like, why is my fan off? Who turned the fan? And I wasn't thinking. I just mm-hmm. went back to sleep because my clock has a battery backup. So the clock was still oh, working. Okay. And then I got up in the morning, and I noticed that the clock on the stove and the clock on the microwave were two hours apart. And I was like... Okay, that didn't make any sense. If we lost power, how did we lose it in one part of the house or the other? But the mystery was solved when a kid told me that they reset the clock in the microwave so they could use it in the morning. So, <laughs> But again, no harm, no foul. It was like a little bit in overnight. And uh, our neighbor, our farmer neighbor was so sweet. I had called him and our neighbor, the sheriff, the, the day before everything was going to start, asking if he knew anybody who I could hire to plow the driveway because it's a very, very long driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't know anybody. Um and uh, but he was so nice. He said he insisted that I call if we got stuck because he had um, a plow blade on one of his tractors because they'll go around to help the neighbors out. Right. And before I realized what was going on, we were stuck all day Saturday, but it was snowing all day Saturday and Sunday when I finally dragged my sorry tired butt out of bed, uh, the driveway was plowed. Yeah, which was which was great. Hugely it, it, helpful. It was hugely helpful. He couldn't go too close because it's gravel and he was really conscientious about not ruining our driveway but it made it a lot easier i just i could get up and back uh in the truck until it got too slippery but now it's pretty much cleared yeah i mean as far as recovery goes it's nice because we've actually had sunny days it's been in the mid 50s so we've had a lot of melt uh you know it's it's not like it's stayed on the ground because it's been in the 30s or whatever thankfully it warmed up now it's muddy and gross but i'll i'll take listen i'll take muddy and gross over frozen uh a tundra for weeks on end i'm okay with this yeah i kind of am i just feel bad for the chickens because i haven't wanted to let them out of their their they they have free range out of the coop into their penned area but i have been not wanting to let them out because it's been so cold i've been afraid that a very hungry fox would come along and steal somebody away so they're They've got a very muddy area. The hogs have a path where they've carved a very muddy area. The goats have only been walking in certain areas, too. So it's like, come on, guys, spread out and make the rest of the yard look like muddy yuck. <laughs> Soon enough, we'll yeah. get the uh, the muddy yuck. So hopefully uh, your snow experience, if you got hit with the other uh, winter snowstorm, uh, also was not a horrible one. I mean, was, again, if you're going to get inundated with snow, at least uh, it you know it warms up and it melts fairly quickly. And hopefully that was your experience too. And the good news is that the children finally go back to school tomorrow. Two-hour delay. Now, we are lucky because in Fairfax and Loudoun County, they are closed for the week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a lot of problems clearing the snow out uh, up there. And I know that some of it is uh, just the sheer number of streets and everything that have to get plowed. Yeah. But, but you know, again, for, for almost a, for a school to be canceled for a week because plus of something two, that... Plus two days last week. Right. For something that happened, uh, you know, more than a week ago, uh, that, that, I gotta tell you, they're not getting rave reviews up there, the, uh, the local governments for how they're dealing with the, the very basic services. I've also seen a lot of people complaining about, uh, Metro, uh, the, uh, the subway system in DC. Yeah, the other the, I think the reason that they've closed for the rest of this week is a why bother to open on Friday, 
and they were supposed to go they like you said they have a lot more snow that's starting to melt but they also um it's supposed to freeze tonight and they're afraid of slick roads in the morning so yeah well, they also closed for uh, cold weather when we lived up there at some point in time. So they're yeah. they're kind of babies about... Uh... They can be. They really can be. I'm like, really? It's windy and cold in your clothes? Every kid takes gets driven to school or gets a bus. They have to stand outside for maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. So one of the cool things about the, uh, the, the snowfall that we've seen here is uh, in the past couple of days we've been able to see a lot of the uh, the animal tracks yeah uh, in the snow and you know every now and then we'll catch a glimpse of uh, a deer or three uh in one of the pastures or we'll see uh, uh some wild turkeys wander across the driveway uh they seem to have a favorite crossing spot we should actually put a turkey crossing we should. up there <laughs> uh but but now you get to see just how busy the yard is and the uh, the pastures because you know there are so many tracks and it's everything from you know the bird tracks to fox to bunny rabbits bunny rabbits cats uh, uh squirrels squirrels right yeah we've actually seen a lot more squirrels this year and they're seriously fat this year i know yeah and we had a lot of birds because i felt so bad for all the birds that i was throwing out bird seed on the snow and putting out little cups of peanut butter and bird seed in half-cut oranges. Yeah. I did that. I put two of them out, and I kind of set them on top of the snow. Uh, and the birds found them, and they were enjoying them, but then it just kept snowing, and they got buried. So I dug them out again. Bullet found them, and he started eating them. <laughs> he comes back in the house, and he's it's like, did you get... And I look, and sure enough, he'd licked all the peanut butter right out of the orange. <laughs> So much for him helping the birds. That is a uh, quintessential bullet story. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the, it's been neat to kind of see the evidence of the uh, the wildlife, even if we don't get to see the actual wildlife uh, itself. I have not seen any fox uh, tracks. Or I haven't, uh, I haven't even seen them, or I haven't heard any of any of the chickens doing their car alarm noise, being afraid of one either. Right. Which is really good because of what what happened today, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into what happened yeah. today uh, after a quick timeout. As a matter of fact, why don't we go ahead and take a timeout? You are listening to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E will be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us here on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network from the uh, semi-frozen tundra 
<laughs> of uh, Central Virginia, Cam Edwards and Missy at the kitchen table, and I. So I had a a moment today. I know you had a moment I had lots today of moments too, today. but uh, I I pull out my phone. It's a few minutes before uh, two o'clock Eastern time. We're getting ready to start the Enron News Cam and Company. And I see that Missy e has blown up my phone. I'm talking multiple uh, voicemails, multiple missed calls, and a text that just says emergency. So. I'm thinking, oh my God, something's wrong with the kids. There's something. The house is on fire. You know, something is wrong. It, there, there's an emergency, and I need to help. Like I need to know about something. So I call immediately. Call, and and Miss E answers the phone, and I can't really understand what's going on. All it's a pig is loose and trash is everywhere, and you gotta go. And yeah. all of a sudden, <laughs> and I'm thinking. How was I supposed to help with that in any know. way, shape, or form? Have, I don't know. Brainstorm for me. Okay, so I'm sitting at my desk, and I get up, and I have windows. Oh, it's like a, I have like a corner office with win, with a window view, so I yes. can the goats can yell at me, and I can watch the birds. And I happen to look, and I'm like, "Huh? Oh, smog was out. She's the hog with the with. She's got the little she's mohawk. Got the little spike, right. Yeah. So I look over. I'm like, Ugh. So I go slog on my boots, go out, grab a bucket of feed, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And she just follows me right over, uh, turn off the fence, and I lift up the fence and I throw the food and she gets it, no problem. And then I'm like, I, I call you, I'm like, how many hogs do we have? Because I'm looking, I'm like. That was one of the voicemails that I got. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make sense. I'm like, wait a minute. Because usually she's the only one who gets out. Right. And then I le- realize, and I'm like, count, count. Wait, Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, Smog. Oh, Abigail. So big mama's out. Yeah. And I can't I couldn't find her anywhere at first. And I'm I got a bucket of, I come back in, get another bucket, and I'm shaking and I'm just running around and I can't yell. I'm not gonna yell because I'm but I'm doing the here pig at the top of my lungs. Right. And here she comes like mosey on up from back <laughs> near the chicken coop. And she is in parts of the yard she's never been in because she's or either been, it's been in or like it's been years, a really long right. time because they were in the back garden when they were little bitty and they've been up here for a long time. So anyway, she comes along and she's grumping at me and I run back in the house, I grab more food and I'm trying to get her over and she is not interested <laughs> in going back in the fence at all. I call for two of the kids to come help. They're all, we're all trying to corral her. She's just running in any other direction other than where I want her to go. And finally, she just ran into the woods. And I was just like, you know what? You're either going to be coyote bait or you'll show up for dinner. Yeah. She can't see well. Hogs just don't see no, well. Right. So I was just I was a little worried about that, but I was not I'm I like I said, we were running around, I'm like smacking her on the butt, I'm trying to drag her, I'm I've wasted a lot of pig chow. Those girls got like four dinners today <laughs> about the pig chow that I was throwing back there. And finally I just was like, forget it. So about three I came back in, this is like two thirty, two o'clock. I come in the house and three thirty is around when the animals start yelling at me because dinner's around four. Mm. So I get the food ready, and I go out, and I see, I walk over, and Abigail's on the outside of the perimeter of her fencing, Mm -hmm. and she's kind of in the back. So I kind of get her to come around again, and again, I just, for the life of me, she just doesn't want to come. But this time I did what... The producer said I gra- I had rope with me. Oh, our, and our I had made director, a, Kyle Morgan. Right, yeah. I had a new. I made a little noose. Mm-hmm. I got it over her big fat head. <laughs> but before I could get it tight enough and behind her ears, she just uh, she managed to run off and get out of it. And so I, I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm done with you. If, if swear if you get out again, you're going to be my dinner if you miss dinner. Let's put it that way. So 
my dinner. You just stole my line. <laughs> oh, did I? Well, I told her this, but I told her that. If you don't show up for dinner, you're going to be dinner. Um, so, 4 o'clock, I go out with the feed, and she's right there. The boys come with me. and uh, Actually, it wasn't the boys this time. It was the girl coming down from her friend's house. And um, she, I just say, okay, just go down behind her. Just make sure. So, we get her to come around and turn off the fence again. And this time, she finally got in. And the, in the meanwhile... So what? They're all in Electronet, and they have solar panels. And so what happens is it's not been very sunny, right? And they and the two days of twenty four hours of just snow is like the panels kept getting covered with snow, and it had to keep cleaning them off. Well, the battery was really low, and they've managed with the hog fencing. The bottom wire is hot because mm-hmm. they're very sensitive to electricity. The goat fencing, the bottom wire is not hot, but right. with the hogs it is. But the problem is, is when they root around, sometimes dirt and branches and stuff could cover up the bottom wire. So I walked the perimeter, cleaned up the fence, moved it around. Meanwhile, I had the battery charging in here. Finally finished after it was nighttime. Bring the battery outside, set it up. I'm getting a, a jump at about 4,000 volts on the fence. And I did the test. And as soon as I picked the tester up, I'm like, see, see you get out of here. I heard a That's <laughs> like, ha ha, you figured out. You're going to get hurt again. So... I don't think they're going anywhere for a while, but Abigail had certainly a little adventure running around because I'm sitting at my desk and I'm finished with work and I'm looking out the window, all the animals are fed, and I realize there's a chicken loose. And I told you I've been keeping them shut up because I've been afraid of a fox coming. I go down there and Abigail has managed to very much damage one section of the chicken tunnel that I had made. She was trying to get a piece of flock block. Uh, man, see, that's that's lazy right there. You know, when you there's get grass. loose and there's grass all over, and then you try to get more of the the chicken, the, the chicken feed. Yeah, it wow. was just ridiculous. And it's it's the whole section is ruined because she's broken all the welds. Mm. I'm out there in the and my first thought was because it's a it was a dent, and I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, what giant animal tried to eat my chicken? Bear. And then I went, yeah, I was thinking, bear, this is this too big for a fox? What the? And then I thought, Abigail. Oh, man. So I'm going to have to get out there and cut out that section and shorten up the thing or make another piece to put in there. But yeah, not happy with her today. So I had escaped chickens. I had the crazy hogs running around and not very helpful children. We were uh, we were following along via your texts on uh, <laughs> NRA News Cam and Company oh, today. So okay. I, I was telling people what was going on because you know I sort of had that adrenaline rush when I thought that something you it know was like really wrong. right exactly. And so I'm kind of like, whoo! So I, I'm sure I started out the uh, the program today. It's a little wired. Uh, just trying to calm down. So I was keeping people updated as to the status of uh, Abigail <laughs> throughout the hog. course of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because she's she's heavy. It's not like you can. But like, she's fast too. <laughs> she can be fast. I was run. She was running, and I'm running in my big boots through the squishy mud, trying to <laughs> get close to her or, or cut her off. And she just, I'm like, how is somebody your? She's like a 250 pound sausage. Yeah. With no neck, I'm like, how? And short little like eight inch legs. How the heck is she running that fast? But yeah, great day, good times. <laughs> well. The- Good news is it's Wednesday. So, yes. Right. Hump day. Exactly. Get, get past today. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we take a, another quick time out of here. Uh, when we come back, we've got more stories from the 40 Acres. Stick around. We'll be right back here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Coming up today on Pat and Stu. Point is, it's still amazing that she can't put this away. She can't catch up. And the arguments we were talking earlier today, how they're making the argument that New Hampshire, oh, that's Bernie Sanders, that's his, that's darn near his state. You know, it's right there. That's his country. Now you can make the argument that Hillary was, uh, I don't know, United States senator from New York. That's the next state over. That's her country, too. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, at the kitchen table once again, and thank you for being a part of this week's program. I apologize, by the way, for a lack of a program Last week, yeah, uh, poor, poor Cameron, poor you. You had to go to Las Vegas. I know it was hard. Yeah, but, uh, somebody had to do it. <laughs> somebody had to uh, do it. Actually, about fifty-five thousand people had to do it for a shot show, and I, I, I thought all- I might be able to get away with doing a forty acres in uh, a fool from the road, but then I had to leave early uh, to come back in order to uh, to be able to to do the show because again we were really afraid that the snowstorm would mess up all of our travel schedules and it did uh, and yeah. so then we had to take a red eye back on Wednesday night and flew in Thursday morning and it was just a, a crazy couple of days so uh, I do apologize for the uh, the lack of a program uh, last week but I'm glad that we're here this week so shot that's actually an acronym shooting hunting outdoor trade show so it's not open to the public is it no it's a it's like the it's a trade show. So basically, right. you've got the the companies that manufacture the products. You've got the uh, distributors who will distribute the products that are manufactured. And then you've got the retailers who will actually sell the products. But in addition to that, you also have um, a, a pretty healthy number of media. I think that there were um, there were hundreds of accredited media uh, wow. entities there. And then you've got the folks within the, the industry themselves. So like we had our friend Benny spies on the show um right so if you've got an outdoor show if you've got a show on uh, sportsman channel or outdoor channel or the pursuit channel uh or you're you're maybe even online on youtube but if you've got sponsors this is one of the few places where you can go and you can meet all of your sponsors and set your meetings up and everything at one time so there's that whole side of shot, which nobody really sees because no. we're not talking about, you know, people setting up booths and everything, but a lot of business gets done uh, at shot if you've got a show like that. Okay. So, and it was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, I, we've got our sponsors. Nosler uh, uh, is our primary sponsor at NRA News Cam and Company. We are very pleased that uh, AdCore Defense has uh, signed on as our on-location sponsor this year, and they're also sponsoring our Hero of the Day segment on NRA News Cam and Company. Nice. Um, but, you know, you talk with somebody like a Benny Spies or a Jana Waller, and they've got, I don't know, half a dozen sponsors or more. They're, they, You know, so then it becomes a, a just a this scheduling dance, this very well, intricate yeah. scheduling dance involving but, thousands of people all trying to meet who they need to meet, you know, over the course of four days. It's like really interesting. Ant mating. <laughs> there's so many of them you gotta find the right one actually i guess it's not true because the answer like bees that wasn't a good analogy no um but but the thing with them they like they have to have so many sponsors because otherwise they don't have a way to make any money right yeah absolutely right so this is they have to have as many people to try to help pay for their shows so that they can earn a living right yeah yeah but it's just that's got to be nerve-wracking then i think that it is very much so no wonder benny's skinny and spastic <laughs> He's going to come visit us. I saw our friend Scott Laseth, the uh, sporting chef. Oh, good. 
good. I follow him. He's got some yummy recipes. I need to buy his cookbook so that when I do see him, he can autograph it for me. Yeah, he's going to uh, hopefully come to Virginia at some point this year. We were talking about that. Oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, are, uh, you've met Ron Bellin, right? Yes. Yes. I uh, think so. Somewhere. Big, big, big fella. Long hair, beard. No. Eye patch. You know no, you never actually did. Him. Okay. No. Well, that's going to have to eye change. Patch. Totally went out there because I was like, I have no, I never met anybody with an eye patch. Okay. Well, that'll, that'll have to change. Ron is a fantastic guy. Uh, he is the host of uh, Reaper Outdoors. Uh, Navy SEAL, Reaper 01 was his call sign. And Ron's actually got a couple of products. He's got uh, a rifle that is being made through Axelson Tactical, uh, which is just a fantastic uh, AR. And then uh, he and Marcus Luttrell uh, from Lone Survivor fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are partnering up. Uh, Team Never Quit is the uh, company, and they're doing their own line of ammunition now. Oh, nice. And so they had an event. Very first day that we got into Las Vegas on Sunday, they had an event at a, uh, at a gun range on the Strip called, I think, The Range on the Strip. And uh, right next to a uh, motel that was offering up the uh, the wedding chapel, you know, with the Elvis weddings. You could go ever, do all right there. Get married, right. go shooting, go have <laughs> buffet food. Uh, and it was, I got to tell you, I mean, the, the event, because shot doesn't start until Tuesday. Um, and this event was Sunday night. And it was packed full of people uh, just, you know, wanting to get a look at the ammunition. And mm-hmm. I think wanting to get a chance to. Talk with Marcus Luttrell and uh, shoot a gun. and Ron and and uh, actually you didn't get to shoot. Oh, I thought uh, you it would... was a demo, so oh, you could see okay. the, the uh, ammunition being shot. Okay. But uh, it was uh, so Monday. Then the following day was media day at the range. Okay, that's why I'm getting confused. And I that's that was where, okay. yeah. So this is where all of the uh, the accredited media and, and this was my actually my first time getting a chance to uh, to go because I'm always doing a show on Monday. Mm. Uh, but this time our setup schedule was a little different, and so Monday was our setup day. And we did not have a live show on Monday, so I got a chance to go out to the range. It was about 40 miles outside of Las Vegas. Okay. Got there bright and early um, and got a chance to just, you know, kind of walk the line. And there are, I don't know, 50 or 60 different uh, companies that are set up. They've got, you know, their own range and you can go shoot their product no try my gun oh yeah buy my gun no try my buy my gun right yeah Yeah. i mean it's not an opportunity to you again you don't have the opportunity to buy the gun but at this point it's an opportunity to review my gun Mm. uh because again Mm, this is open to the press and so uh this is you know where people will have a chance to to shoot the products that are going on display for the first time or being introduced uh, for the first time so for instance uh kimber uh, has come out with a revolver, and Kimber makes 1911s. I mean, they make you know semi-automatic pistols. So for them to make a revolver was a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads. Kind of an old-fashioned kind of gun. But everybody who shot that Kimber revolver walked away saying that is an awesome revolver. So you know it was it was interesting. I did not uh, get a chance to shoot all 50 stages uh, and all. I don't know. I don't, I don't, probably more than that actually, but. Uh, did get a chance to uh, to shoot some new ammunition. Shot uh, the thing that I was most impressed by actually was a small company out of Colorado called Wit Machine, um, and they are they were doing uh, integrated suppressed rifles. So the suppressors built into the rifle. Um, apparently, you lose some some velocity speed, but uh, this was hitting uh, on target. You know, at hundred yards out. I think is what we were shooting at. So that so that doesn't hurt your ears. Or yeah, sneak your ear. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, it sounded. We now I had my ear protection in, um, but honestly, it would have been like a less than a twenty-two mm. uh, as far as the sound goes. And so you actually could shoot without 
uh, ear protection if you needed to. Okay. Um, yeah, because when I'm like thinking about self defense, I'm not thinking about grabbing my ear covers. Right. No, exactly. And and the, you know this would be, I think, a good uh, hog hunting gun. I mean, we don't necessarily have the the feral hog population in Central Virginia that they do in Texas or. Like, uh, other places, but I guess we could have Abaco. <laughs> <Abigail, laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, One uh, big feral hog in the woods. Yeah, but it was like belly rubs, right? But it was a uh, it was a very cool gun to shoot. Uh, Daniel, Def- excuse me, Daniel Defense is uh, coming out with a similar product, and uh, uh, silencers actually suppressors were were really big hmm. uh, this year and have been for the last couple of years because you know I mean it, it, it honestly it makes sense in Europe and a lot of other countries uh you're required to use a suppressor to keep the noise level down oh. um and you know around here like I don't mind the sound but uh, around here on a nice spring day you know it can sound like you're at a range yes <laughs> right or it could just be all scary. of our neighbors uh <laughs> you know shooting so you know I can understand the uh, the the desire and uh the the in some cases the need uh, to keep the noise level down, but there's that. I think that impression that people who don't know anything about firearms have that. Uh, That's what why do you need a sub- right? Exactly. That's <laughs> what the bad guys always screwed onto the end of their guns before they shot the dude that they were going after. Exactly right, like it's some James Bond spy mm-hmm. stuff. So it's 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 actually been really fascinating to cover over the last couple of years this campaign. Um, that I think we now have 36 states that uh, say that you can uh, own and use uh, suppressors uh, and, and use them even while hunting. Hmm. Um, and it's it's been kind of interesting to watch because it's one of the few issues, you know, gun control and the gun issue is so polarized and so divided right now. But this, I've seen these bills pass in state legislatures and it gets like, Unanimous support in some cases. I mean, it's not a Republican versus Democrat issue. Just, uh, it's just something that actually truly is common sense. So um, hopefully we'll actually see more progress being made uh, on that front. But that's, Yeah, I'm hoping for common sense because I think the last bill I saw was uh, they're going to try to make it so that people could sue gun manufacturers if they have a loved one who is injured or killed by a gun. I'm like, well, so what does that mean? Are we going to start... Can, we're going to open up this to automobile manufacturers or glass bottle manufacturers or heck bathtub manufacturers because I bet more people fall in the bathtub and die. Yeah, this is well. A lot of this is is actually coming from Hillary Clinton, who's trying to use this as a uh, issue against Bernie Sanders. Um, but this goes back to it's it's the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which was passed back in two thousand and five. So more than a decade ago, it was passed. You haven't heard anything about it since then, even from gun control advocates. I uh, haven't made a stink about it until Hillary tries to use this to differentiate her Senate record from Bernie Sanders because she voted against it. Bernie Sanders voted for it. Yeah, because that's the one big difference between that's the one <laughs> difference that's going to make or break my vote for either one of them. I, 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 listen, I'm not I'm not saying it makes you know any political sense. I'm just saying that's why she's doing it. But uh, the law is really clear. If you know the the law prevents people from engaging in these junk lawsuits where you're seeking to hold. Uh, the uh, the the retailer or the manufacturer responsible for the actions of a criminal. Oh, right. Okay, that's uh, good. But if it's a defective product, if it was manufactured or designed improperly, that's, that's a whole different ball of wax. Then, then, then those suits can absolutely still proceed, yeah. and in fact, they do. Yeah. Um, so it is, I think, much ado about nothing. Um, the reason why the law was passed in the first place is because going back to the mid 1990s, when Hillary Clinton's husband was in the White House, uh, there was this anti gun strategy to try to 
uh, go after gun companies like they went after tobacco companies and mm. to try to get that big lawsuit that would bankrupt the industry. Uh, and if they couldn't bankrupt the industry, well, at least they could nickel and dime them to death didn't by work. filing all of these lawsuits didn't work that, never, that never went to trial, right? Because they all got thrown out right. before trial. But, you know, if you are if you're a gun manufacturer, you're having to defend yourself against these suits. Mm. If you are the a, a, a city uh, that files suit, well, you've got your taxpayer base that's funding your attorneys. You've got uh, uh, gun control organizations that are donating their legal services pro bono. Uh, and so it was, you know, not, not only what, were they trying to, you know, death by a thousand cuts to these uh, to these companies, but, you know, it was a fairly uh, unlevel playing field, too. Yeah. Um, and so that's why the law was passed. And actually, 36 states, maybe 35 states, um, had that law already on the books oh. when Congress passed it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, again, not that Hillary Clinton's going to mention any of that, not that you're going to hear oh, any of that analysis, no. but uh, but that's the deal with the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, a shot was good. I got a chance to see the Hoover Dam for the first time. That was my uh, my big uh, touristy excursion. What was the weather? It was nice out? It was it, it was cloudy, but it was, you know, 60 degrees or oh. so. So I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Came back here to 28 degrees and <laughs> an impending doom of snow. Right. My, and my next trip will be to uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for the Great American Outdoor Show at the uh, Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex, which runs. Now, I'm not going to be there all nine days. NRA News will be there all nine days, but I will be there uh, starting the opening weekend, February 6th. And it runs through the weekend of Valentine's Day. So it runs through, I think, the 15th. Mm. Uh, it's a nine-day show. Some was not thinking about that. Or they're going to have, like, a you know a lover's dance at the end of it. I think there's going to be NRA. <laughs> uh, no, I think, actually, I think there is the NRA Country Concert uh, on the uh, the 14th of February. There are going to be events. Uh, you know, all, the show's open all day long. And then there are going to be events uh, at night. You've got a huge NRA Foundation banquet, which is like a big Friends of NRA dinner that's going to be taking Ooh. place. Um is this open to the public? This actually, show? yeah, this oh, is open to the okay. public. So everybody can go here. Absolutely. You just have to buy your ticket and show up. Yes. And, nice. and, and almost all of the firearms manufacturers, uh, and certainly uh, most of the uh, the big ones, uh, will be there uh, with their display. So this is their next show, right? After SHOT Show, they pack is, up and they go to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. All This is also hunting and outdoorsy stuff, too, because this is the Great American Outdoor Great American Outdoor Show. show. So there's a, yes, you've, you've got the Outfitters Hall uh, which is just guides and outfitters from all over the world uh, that are there. And you can book your hunting trip uh, to New Zealand or to Africa or to I can't even Kansas. Manage, can't, I can't uh, even manage to get to the next town over and or do to my quail Georgia. hunt. <laughs> um, then they've got the fishing hall, which is you know nothing but boats and, and every, all your, your gear for fishing. Then you've got the shooting hall, which is the gun manufacturer's. Um, is there a food hall? There is. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's oh, good. really good uh, food. Um, and then you've got uh, the – there's an arena that's set up where they've got some uh, actually like fishing displays that you can do. Oh. There's a whole kids section. Oh, wow. Uh, that, right? That uh, you've got the Eddie Eagle program there where you've got all kinds of – I think you've got an air gun range and you've got some uh, other kids fishing setups. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really, really cool event, uh, and this will be my third year going there. Uh, Harrisburg in February is not the, the balmiest of locations. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but the show itself is, it's just a lot of fun, and 
you know, parents, uh, families will, will take their kids out of school and they'll sneak down on a weekday when it's not quite so crowded because they'll get over 200,000 people there over the course of nine days. So wow. they get a lot of, right, they get a lot of traffic. Um, but it's a really, really fun show. If you've never been to the Great American Outdoor Show uh, and you are within a three, four-hour drive of Harrisburg, it is well worth your time. And we'll be there, again, that opening weekend. Uh, I'll be there the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. And me, no, probably not. I'll probably be there. Uh, I was going to say maybe a little bit of the morning of the 10th, but no, I, I'll have to drive back and uh, uh, do the show. But uh, we will have a presence there throughout the nine days at uh, the Great American Outdoor Show. So hopefully folks can make it out there too. All right, listen, we need to take a, a time out here. This has been a, a very beefy segment, but uh, we have one more to go here on 40 Acres and a Fool. So stick around. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. We can make people do anything. We can take anything from them. We can tell them what rights they have and don't have. We can seize their property. We can tell them what they can do with their property. It's just an invitation to totalitarianism, actually. It's a giant, wide-open door to a totalitarian state based upon the need to save the planet. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. It's time for my favorite segment of 40 Acres and a Fool, the uh, listener email segment. I thought your favorite segment was talking about history books that you've been reading. I like that too, but... Uh, we haven't I, been reading much. We're well, busy. <laughs> no, I've been binge-watching The Wire, uh, oh, actually, over the, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that maybe in a, a future episode. But uh, uh, the book that I'm reading right now, it's... It's one of the, I mean, okay, I, I admit, like, it's a dorky history book. Uh, it's called The Cause That Failed. I've been, I read The God That Failed, right, which mm-hmm. was the studies in communism or whatever. This is, uh, this came out right after the fall of the Soviet Union. No, right before, actually, I think. Okay. Uh, and it's called The Cause That Failed, uh, Communism in American Life. And so it's about the American Communist Party. Somebody asked me at lunch the other day, the other waitress was like, oh, what are you reading? And I told her. <laughs> and she looked at me like I had three heads. She was like, really? Yeah, I was I, like, I know, light reading. So I'm reading the Gulag Archipelago. Oh, that was really by good. By Solzhenitsyn. So, yeah, a little that, light reading. Uh, <laughs> right? I, that's, that's one of those books we're serious about every four pages, at least for the first half. And then you become sort of numb to it all. But that first half of that book, I swear, about every four pages, I just had to stop and just... Yeah, it's taken me a long time to read through it because all I can think of is how many of my relatives ended up out there. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's awful, and it's again it's stuff that we don't get uh, taught in our schools. But uh, you're right, that's a good segment too. But I like this segment too, where we hear from uh, folks from around the country, like John, uh, who wrote in actually uh, as we were recording this podcast. So John, good timing. Uh, John says, uh, Cam, on your last podcast, you and Miss E were talking about special effects and what movies have held up over the years. More importantly, when the so-called golden age of special effects started, uh, golden age, uh, John says, uh, defined as the time that special effects people were being pushed for new and inventive ways to do things, i.e. CGI. Mm. Uh, John says, you mentioned Class of the Titans from 1981, and yes, those yes. were Harryhausen effects, uh, Ray Harryhausen's last big-budget film, wonderful stop-motion animation, 
John says that the golden age, uh, for him anyway, really started with Jurassic Park in 1993, where the CGI T-Rex was just as good as the Stan Winston animatronics. By the time Stargate in 1994 came around, CGI was standard and makeup SFX had uh, been relegated to the background. Uh, and he says, as for a cheesy sci-fi, my money is on Tremors from 1990. Oh, the giant worm movie. Uh, oh, Tremors. Tremors. You yeah. Said, okay, I thought you said Tremors, and I was like, what is this, that a horrible barbershop movie? I never saw that. Tremors. Thank you. <laughs> it's that Oklahoma versus whatever. <laughs> Tremors. I Tremors. like. Uh, uh, from because I'm I'm a kid from the '80s movies because I was born in 1965, so I really like I like the cheesy old ones like Buckaroo Banzai and the Eighth Dimension because that's when no one people are gonna be like, what the heck is she talking about? And Howard the Duck because I, I don't care Howard the Duck, he looked like a real little duck. No, he, he did. The, listen, the, awesome. The special effects were great in Howard the Duck. The plot. And the acting and everything else. Oh come on! You can't tell me that Leah Thompson wasn't just pulling it all out for the role. <laughs> she was horrible. You loved her. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I, I, Leah Thompson. I had such a crush on, on Leah Thompson. But I was, I, I wrote her a letter. Did you really? I did. I wrote Bobby Clark a letter. I was fascinated though, when I first saw Star Wars in the theaters, because it was 1977. Mm-hmm. So I, I was 12. That was mind blowing. I was uh, three, so I wasn't allowed to see Star Wars when it uh, was out in the theater. I'm but, surprised. Uh, Your parents were pretty permissive about it. They were, thing. right? I, it took a few years, and <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden I was being dropped off at the White Snake concert. <laughs> we'll see you in a few hours, honey. But uh, no, when I was three, actually, uh, I think a year later, my uh, brother and sister were supposed to take me. I forget what movie we were supposed to go see, but they wanted to go see. Uh, any which way but loose instead. Oh, and with so they Clint snuck in, right? In so the yeah, so we went to go. We went in there, and in the previews, there was a preview for The Shining, Stanley oh. Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, did you get the face through the door part? No, I got the elevator doors opening up in the the river of blood. blood. Right, and this was my very first movie. Oh yeah, because ever this was the first time I had ever been in a movie theater, and, and my first exposure saying. to a movie is an elevator door opening and a river of blood. We were watching the movie Hugo earlier tonight, and there was a scene where people were watching silent movies for the first time, and like right. there was a train coming towards them, and they all freaked out because ah right. Yeah. So that was my reaction as a four-year-old. It's well, amazing that I don't have any, you know, like lifelong cinematic trauma as no. a result of that. But yeah, uh, no kidding. I think when my oldest was three, her first movie was. Uh, it was Peter Pan, so okay, much better than your relatives. That was that also, I believe, had a, a Nightmare Before Elm Street preview to it, right? Because it's not Peter Pan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we saw Fantasia, and that was fascinating enough for the three year olds because she was glued in her seat. She was so afraid to move, but she was fascinated. It was so fun to see. So we also heard, and John, again, thank you very much for the uh, the thoughts on uh, special effects and movies. John says there's you know no better way to while away a winter on the farm than uh, uh, watching movies, and you're right about well, we've, that. We've been doing that. We've had a movie night every night for the past couple of nights since the kids haven't had to get up early. Uh, I introduced James to the Labyrinth, uh, that David Bowie classic. Mm. Yeah, well, David Bowie just died, so it's yeah. fitting. And then uh, right after that, we watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Circa 1971. Oddly enough, I also had a crush on Angela Lansbury as a kid. I think it was 74 because I think I remember saying to the kid, I think this movie is as old as daddy. 
I think it's a couple of years older. I think it's 71. It might be 71, because I, like I said, I can't remember. It was either 71 or 74. But he, again, cheesy special effects, but for the time, it was really cool to see the bed move through the, in cartoons and interacting the, right? with the people. Oh, yeah. That, you know, wow. Exactly. So, that was like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, that was, you know, well, that 20 was the years thing that, before Who Framed Roger it Rabbit. It was. And that was the thing they were doing, though, because there was um, Mary Poppins mm-hmm. that had the, the 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 cartoons in it. And there was a couple, there were a couple others. But, yeah, Ben Dobbs and Broomsticks, good classic. Yeah. All right. We also heard from uh, Sean in uh, Oklahoma, actually. Uh, Pecan Grove Farm and Gardens in uh, Oklahoma. Is it Oklahoma? It's Pecan? Uh, it is now. Okay. Anyway, I mean, I grew up pronouncing it pecan, but okay. uh, uh, pecan grove sounds better to me than pecan grove. I don't know why. All right. Sean says, uh, greetings from Tahlequah, Oklahoma. He says, I recently started listening to your show, and I must say I'm very glad that I did. Uh, he says, my wife Joy and I, along with her brother Bo, moved to a wonderful five-acre farm in the outskirts of Tahlequah two years ago when our home in Claremore burned to the ground. Oh, dear. Right? Sean says, we consider that event, tragic though it was, a blessing in disguise. It gave us the opportunity to start our own little farm from scratch, which we've been growing each season. We have four chickens at the moment, which produce enough eggs for the three of us for now. However, Sean says, they are getting close to two years old, and we'll be replacing them this spring. Not sure how to butcher them, but uh, that is part of the learning process. Actually, chickens can live to 10 years old, and they'll still keep producing eggs for a long time. So you might not want to go ahead and get rid of them. You might want to go ahead and get some broilers. Because they can be ready to eat in 10 weeks. Yep. Uh, Sean says, this spring we'll also be adding rabbits to our farm. Sean says, I've heard you talk about getting rabbits on your show. They're too cute and fluffy to kill. Uh, Sean says, I highly recommend it. Rabbits have the best food to weight ratio of any other animal. Yes. Two to three pounds of feed per pound of meat produced, generally speaking. I know. Sean says, I used to raise them when I was in junior high when my family lived in northern Idaho. He says, I got so good at butchering them that the heart would still be beating by the time I got to that point, but I digress. Uh, Other benefits of rabbits include the fur and two keychains, and their droppings are also great compost for our worm farm. My uncle, my great uncle raised rabbits for food. We'd find packages of Bunny and Bambi in the freezer. (laughs) Sean, uh, did you pick them on the worm farm? I, yeah. Sean says uh, their castings make some of the best fertilizer. fertilizer. The worms themselves are great for the garden. He says, but the other reason we raise worms is to feed both of our chickens and our fish that we raise in our pond. Sean, you guys are getting so much done on five acres. That is awesome. Nice. Sean says, right now we have some catfish, which I don't particularly care for. That's Sean saying he doesn't particularly care for. And some perch, uh, which Sean does like. We Mm. also have crawfish to help clean the waste from the fish as well as the dead ones. They are quite yummy, too. I am, I personally can. I'm a huge fan of crawfish. I like mud bugs. He says our chickens enjoy them more than we do. Twice a year, we use water from the pond to help fertilize the gardens. Very high in nitrates, which plants love. Over the winter, all of our beds get filled with garlic, which we plant at the end of fall. They grow well through the winter, and then they're ready to harvest just before new plantings in the spring. Helps add sulfur to the soil, which we have found helps keep the bug population down. Mm. Um he also says, I have a suggestion for you to try, which should help keep rabbits, cats, dogs, etc. from getting in your beds and eating your tomatoes. Gather as many plastic forks as you can and stick them into the ground, tines up, place them every four to six inches apart around each plant or throughout the bed if you have enough. The animals will not like the pointiness and will usually leave, especially rabbits, which have to sit to eat. I've seen that. I've seen that's a really great inexpensive uh 
method because I've seen like ridiculously expensive little things that you can buy at like gardening magazines right. that do the same thing, but then you're, you know, it's a lot more money. Sean says you can also try broken glass, which we have plenty around the farm yeah, from the really. previous owners. Thorns from your uh, honey locust trees, mm. brambles, okay, yeah. etc. Just a suggestion. He says it, uh, it works for us. Now, it's actually, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, as Sean also recommends to keep goats from chewing through your non-electric fence, the non-electric part of the electric mm-hmm. fence. Take Miss E's hot sauce. Mm. And spread it on the wire. This also works to keep dogs from chewing on things as well, especially coyotes and foxes. Does not bother birds, however. Uh, he says if you have an issue with mice eating your chicken feed, you can try adding uh, cayenne powder uh, to the feed. Thankfully, we don't have that problem because we keep all our animal feed in my office. <laughs> right. <laughs> in big tins, uh, galvanized garbage cans. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Sean says, uh, keep up the great work. If you're ever in the Tahlequah area, let me know. I have been in the Tahlequah area, Sean, but it has been a long, long time. Where is Tahlequah in relation to Oklahoma City? East. Um, it, it's a little like it's a little northeast. Not so Panhandle. So it's, it's it's in between Tulsa and I forty. Oh, it's the other east. I'm thinking. Never mind. Not west, the Panhandle. No, Panhandle's <laughs> west. You know me. I've not had. My, it's left or right, not east or west. I grew up in New Jersey. Okay, so it's the other way. All yeah. Right. But it's it's not as far north as, as Tulsa, and it's not as far south as I forty. So it's in between. Okay. Oh, that's there. that's a pretty part of Oklahoma. It actually is a very very pretty part of Oklahoma, <laughs> and you are uh, you're you're a lucky man, Sean. I am so sorry there? to hear about uh, Vian's a little bit further to the east near. Okay. Uh, I, I just uh, Fort remember Smith. I'm trying to see this signage. Yeah, like driving because we'd we'd go either up to Vian or all the way to New Jersey or to Fort Smith, but we would you know yeah Vian's Vian's closer to the Fort Smith area. Okay. Uh, anyway, Sean says, if you're ever in the Tahlequah area, let me know. I'd love to meet you and show you our farm. We're also in the process of starting a new restaurant here in town, but that's for another episode. I mean, another story, says Sean. Uh, sorry, I, too, <laughs> am an Alton Brown fan. Uh, as oh, we yeah. say here at the Grove, have a better day. Well, Sean, listen, I tell you what, my day is better uh, thanks to your email. And really, best of luck to you. That is uh, really fantastic. Uh, also, uh, Richard writing in uh, with a recommendation for a uh, uh, a podcast. For history uh, mm. called uh, Lore, uh, L-O-R-E is the name of the podcast. So, Richard, I'm going to have a chance to uh, check that out, hopefully, uh, uh, here in the next week or so. And uh, Diane uh, wrote in about the episode New Year Old Fool. She said, uh, I was so intrigued with this episode, I listened to it twice. I felt like I was sitting at the kitchen table with y'all. I could almost smell the brownies. And thank you for making me feel like an old friend of the family. Uh, she said, I want to share a thought with Miss E regarding her comment on the prison system. Mm. My husband, <laughs> his brother, sister, and father all worked as correctional officers in the California prison system. Uh, she says, my husband medically retired in 1995 after an inmate beat him almost to death one night because he didn't want to go to bed. My husband spent five years on disability recovering from his injuries. He now works in IT. God. At the time, she says, we were devastated, but now we know that God did us a favor getting us out of that career. Being in prison, even as one of the good guys, takes a toll on the spirit. She says, I can assure you that prison is a terrible place. It is a terrible place because it is filled with terrible people. Prisoners lose the right to make a single decision for themselves, and that is a greater punishment than you might realize. We treat prisoners with decency, mercy, and compassion for our sakes, not for theirs. We heap coals upon their heads. Now that there isn't a lot of room for improvement, with liberals in charge, officer safety is no longer first priority. Drugs are as easy to get in prison as they are on the street. But rest assured, she says, nobody should ever want to be sent to prison. Yet they are filled to overflowing. It's about the condition of the heart, not the condition of the prison. Mm. Uh, Diane says, thanks for the show. I don't know where else I would hear a conversation that ranges from foxes after chickens to Christmas books <laughs> to incarceration methods. 
Only with the weird random conversations that we have, Diane. Uh, She says, by the way, I give all my kids the same books every Christmas. We all live in different states, but when we read the same books, we always have something to talk about. Oh, that's a cute idea. That is a really good idea. My oldest daughter uh, gave me a book that she really liked and did in book club. Uh, And, you know, it was kind of cool to be able to talk to her. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Diane, again, for the uh, email. Also, we uh, heard from uh, Arturo. Uh, who said, uh, send me a link. He says, I don't know anything about this company. Saw an ad in one of our urban farming magazines. It's for a uh, company called Simply Cookbooks. Uh, he says, consider me Miss E's first cookbook pre-order. <laughs> I've been working on my cookbook. It's really funny. I had posted a picture to Facebook today about the chocolate cake that I was planning on making because apparently today was National Chocolate Cake Day, but I'm going to be one day late on that. My butter was frozen. You can't make a cake with frozen butter. No. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, but I showed the picture, and you, you've taken a picture of it because you think it's ridiculous. The, the, it's it's, this it's your is, brownie recipe. It's, no, it's my Velvet Midnight Cake. Oh. It's a chocolate cake recipe that I have been making since I was like 11 or 12 years old because my father has been in the – had been. He retired. He had been in the cocoa processing and manufacturing business ever since I was little bitty. Mm-hmm. Eight? Five. Five. And uh, – so we always had cocoa powder in the house. So it was one of those things where you got to figure out how to do use it. So I would get fine recipes that used chocolate and rework the chemistry to make it so that I can make it with cocoa powder. And that's what that cake is. And so this pitch, it's like it's got cocoa powder and batter and splashes and and whatever. It, it someone it looks made like a comment. Could, looks, I could eat it. You, yeah, it looks like you could turn it into a lithograph because of the 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 page. Is just kind of stained, and it's this really interesting pattern. And I mean, like you could—that's why I never—that's why I took a picture, but I didn't post it to my Instagram because I thought, you know what, we should make posters out of this it's like, instead. It's like art. It is, but it's a mess. It's but someone made a comment. I posted it on Instagram. They said, a couple more years, you're gonna be able to eat that recipe. I'm like, well, no, I don't want to eat the page. You got to keep the page. But I think I might have to get a new cookbook. <laughs> Rewrite everything. Uh, well, maybe you should just go ahead and write your own cookbook to publish. No, that's my recipe. I know. That's why I said. Oh, I see what you're and... saying. Well, it's my cookbook. It's you know, it's yeah, what I write all gonna, my recipes. Well, I'm <laughs> saying if you're gonna write, if you're gonna write a new one out by hand, just go ahead and type out a manuscript oh. on the computer instead. I have a lot of typed up recipes because at one point I had that because it's it's a old like a it's a it's a drawing book that's falling apart. The covers mm-hmm. are falling off. And at one point, I was trying to bribe the children with 50 cents a page to try to get them to type. Well, this was years ago when we were still in Oklahoma. It's like, hey, want to help mommy out? You can type these recipes in and we, I can give you a dollar a recipe. It's not that much. Yeah, it didn't work really well. But I have some. <laughs> All right, listen, we are uh, about out of time and uh, I think a little out of energy here. It it's is late. Uh, rapidly approaching uh, the bedtime hour here at the kitchen table. So thank you again for joining us for this episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. We love hearing from you, uh, friends old and new. So thank you for dropping by, and hopefully uh, you can drop us a line as well. The email address is 40acrefool, 40acrefool at gmail.com. And until we talk again, and we should have an episode next week, I think everybody's going to be here and around. Barring any snow, Mageddon, too. Right. No, the next major storm that's coming through is just going to bring a lot of rain. Yeah, Farmer's is, Almanac said it was going to be a wet winter. And uh, they are right on the money so yes, far. <laughs> so until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we will see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Bye-bye. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.